Remember to check out the Sunday School video for today, which covers the peace that we have from our God. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and I give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Though me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. Peace to the brethren and all with faith through God the Father. I must admit that I kind of struggled with what I was going to call this sermon. I started off by calling it Unity to All Things. And then perhaps by the time at least that I'm recording this, uh, the title is Unity to All Things Under Christ. And maybe that's the title that you're reading and, and maybe that's the title that you, you came to this sermon by. But I don't know, maybe I'll change it by the time that you see it. Because what this sermon is supposed to be about and what I want us to, to get from it today is I want us to take a look through the book of Ephesians. And we're going to look at several different passages in numerous chapters that, that go from the very first chapter to the very last chapter of the book of Ephesians. But the, the sermon title, at least, comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, where it talks about the plan of God as being to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It sounds good, doesn't it? That's why I wanted to, to title this sermon something to, to connect with that, but you know that, that's such a long title. I, I didn't know if, if uh, it would even show up on, on the video and all. But the title and what I want us to think about is that God's plan is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I want us to think about that. I want us to look about that because I think there's a lot we can learn about this unity of all things that can come under Christ. Let's start by looking at chapter 1 and a few uh, verses from there. Verses 3 through 10. This will lead up to that, that final statement. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through the blood, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is God's plan. You know, right now it might be kind of difficult to to think about too much about how, what, what can we really rejoice about what all's happened this past year. And it's, it, you know, little did we know that this year was going to look like this, but this is the year that we've been given. And guess what? We're, we're here, you know, and we have a lot to still look forward to. I like the idea that in the, in especially the month of December, we are starting to look to, you know, Christmas and think about how uh, at least a part of what's at the heart of, of Christmas uh, is bringing our minds back to the birth of Jesus. And I think whenever we bring our minds back to Jesus Christ and, and his birth and him, him coming into the world and everything that he came here to accomplish, we start to see this, this great grace that God has given to us, this mighty plan, his purpose. All of these, these references here in the book of Ephesians talk about what God's plan was. It is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Can he do that though? I mean, I know that, that we all believe that God can do anything and that he can do everything, but can he really bring unity to all things in heaven on earth under Christ? Well, to that, just look a few verses later into this chapter and we will see about the power of God. In Ephesians chapter one, verses 19 through 21, it talks about the power of God and it says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Do you see what's stated here? It's about this power of God. This power of God that's connected with the peace of God. So can he do that? Can he actually bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ? This is his power. We're living proof of that power. We, we remind ourselves on a weekly basis of that death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And let's face it, we even remind ourselves and remind one another of that fact even more so than just every single week. But at least every week we come together and we are reminded that after Jesus' death, he raised up from the dead. That talks about this power that God has, the power that Christ has, the name that Christ has been given, and that he has been raised up and he's at the right hand of God. Can God bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth? Well, we see his power. We see how powerful he is. But, you know, connected with this, you know, sometimes we, we might ask ourselves, you know, can he actually do that? Well, he's actually already started that, though. And that's what we as Christians need to understand is the fact that 
him bringing unity to all things has already begun. That's one of the things that we read about in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 7 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, this passage right here, it comes back to what we started with. Can God actually bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth? He is powerful. He is capable. But this passage right here, it tells us he's already started it. You know, you might even say, to quote the words of Jesus on the cross, you might even say that it is finished. Not just that it started, but it's finished. You see, this passage, it reminds us that it is by grace that we have been saved. We were dead in our transgressions. That's what verse 5 says. But by the grace of God and by his great love, we have been made alive with Christ. But what else does this passage tell us? You notice how it looks at in, in verse 6 and what it says there? It says that actually God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Is this how you view yourself? Do you view yourself as being raised up with Christ, as being seated? I mean, this actually says that and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It doesn't talk about things that are going to happen in the future. In fact, verse 7, that's what talks about things in the future. It says in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. But here in verse 6, he's talking about things he's already done. He's already raised us up. He's already seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Can he bring unity to all things? The process has already begun. You and I are living proof of this. We see this also in the early church. We see it now, of course, but we see it in the early church. We see it in the book of Ephesians right here in chapter 2. Verses 4 through 7 talk about this. But also a few verses later, we see about how our prince of peace brought peace among all nations. Now, that might be kind of difficult for us to hear and, and for us to think about how that could be done, but let's read together Ephesians 2, verses 14 through 18. This is talking about Jesus, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now specifically what Paul is saying is he's talking about this hostility, uh, this dividing wall of hostility, this barrier that has been between the Jews and the Gentiles. But Jesus Christ did away with that barrier. There is no more, you know, Jew and Gentile. That's the big thing for uh, the Christians in Paul's day to recognize and the, the Christians in Jesus' day to recognize. But, you know, what about today? What does this mean that, that Jesus has brought peace and that he has preached this peace? In verse 7, it says that uh, to those who were far away, but also to those who were near, you know, to us who were near. 
What would that message of peace look like in our world? What types of dividing walls of hostility could be broken down, should be broken down? God has already started the process. That's what we looked at earlier in this chapter. So shouldn't it be up to us now to continue this process, to continue to see this being done in our own time? You know, it's all well and good for us to recognize and, and for us to say and proclaim boldly, look, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. That dividing wall of hostility, it's been broken down. But what about in our world? What type of walls have been rebuilt that need to be torn down again by Christians this time, recognizing that Christ has already done this? He's already proclaimed this peace to all nations. And by the way, that's what Gentiles, it has to do with. The Gentiles, it just means the nations. Christ has come, and the message of Christ is this message of peace that is given for all those who are far away, to all those who are near. All of us can have access to the Father by this one Spirit. This is what God has already done for us. But the story is not done because the, the need for us to, to carry this on into our world today is still ever-present. A couple chapters later in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, we start to see words such as the unity of the Spirit. You know, it's not just about uh, to bring to unity all things in heaven on earth, but, you know, also we see this, this concept of the unity of the Spirit. How does this happen? It happens through this bond of peace. But what does it include? Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, I don't know about you, but after I hear something like that, it almost kind of sounds like this is one of those places where an amen was needed in the sense of, you know, so many times we see that, that Paul just goes on and he's just praising God so much. And then he just kind of praises him again and then says the word amen. You know, so be it. And this passage right here, this is our challenge. This is what we as the church are called to do. We are called to step up and to live this life that's worthy of this calling in which we've been called. What does that look like? Verse 3, it talks about how we are supposed to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Does that describe your life? Is there maybe another effort for which you can give it just a little bit more effort to be able to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? This is what we've been called to do. And, and what, is this, what does this come down to? What is it that holds the church together today? It's these, these seven groups of one thing, this one body. This one spirit, just as you are called in this one hope, this one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. This is what holds the church together. This is what helps us to be able to, to keep this unity of the spirit through the bond of peace by holding fast to these, these teachings, this body of Christ, this spirit, also this hope that we have, our Lord Jesus Christ. The faith for which we all have in common. This baptism for which all Christians are baptized with. And then our one God and Father of all.
This is what holds the church together. This is where we start to see this, this bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth. It happens in the church. It has to happen in the church. It's part of what we are called to do today. So for now, how, how, can, we, how can we do these things? And in addition to holding fast to these teachings, what else can we do? Well, for now, we can listen to the words that Paul gave at the end of the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, he helps us to put things into perspective. And he tells us that for right now, what we need to be doing is putting on the full armor of God. Why? What does that look like? He tells us in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What does Paul say at the end of his, of his writing to the letter of the Ephesians? He says, finally, this is what we need to do. We need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power by putting on the full armor of God, by recognizing that our battle is not against this flesh and blood. It's not against any of these things. It's against this heavenly realm, this, this spiritual realm that surrounds us. That's why we have to put on this full armor of God. We have to hold fast to all of these things. You know, do you, do you recognize the importance of, of this armor of God? But, you know, sometimes what we what we forget about this armor of God is verses 18 through 20. I mean, look at that. I believe that that's still part of what the armor of God is about. It's about praying in the spirit. We need to be people who pray. So this passage here that, that started it all from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 10, talks about the plan of God to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Do we see that today? Do we see unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ? Well, you can start seeing those things in your own life whenever you submit to Christ. And whenever you submit to those, those seven one things that we looked at in Ephesians 4, whenever you put on the full armor of God here from Ephesians 6, recognizing that, you know, all these great blessings that God has given to us it all comes because of this grace of God. This bringing unity to all things has already started and it continues on with you and with me. We play a part in this. We, we all have a role in this to help bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What part do we play? 
Well, the part that we play is putting ourselves under Christ and preaching the message so that peace can be proclaimed to all who are far away and to all who are near. Will you proclaim that message? Will you take part in helping to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ? We want you back. We want you back. We want the sheep back in the fold. We want you back. We want you back. We want the coin back in its mold. Lost like a sheep that went astray. Oh.